Hey listener, as I did with last week's episode, just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying this content, then my one ask for you this week is to share it with one friend, whether at your summer barbecue, at your online Zoom chat, or in your next meetup. I would truly appreciate it, as it's the little things that count. Even if nobody was listening to the show, I would still do the show because I get much more out of it than anything else, right? So it's cool that people are downloading it and listening to it and and interacting with us. But it's the conversations that I have with truly interesting people from all over the world that a lot of them I become friends with. Podcast Junkies, welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. This is episode 269. New listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's the show where we see interesting voices in podcasting and get to learn a little bit more about not just their podcast or their experiences in the podcasting industry, but also what makes them tick and what they're passionate about. And that's what's been happening in some of these conversations. Last week, Esprit Devora was back for round two. She's the host of the Women in Tech show. She's the girl who gets it done in Los Angeles, and she's a great and fantastic friend of the show and supporter has a ton of energy, which was evident during our conversation. I've been getting good feedback from that episode about how open and vulnerable she was in sharing her story. And that's one of the reasons why I just keep doing this show because I get to have conversations like that. So check that out if you haven't already. Episode 268 with Esprit Devora. Another friend of the show and friend of mine, Eric Gonzalez, is on this week's episode. He's the co-founder of the Outlier Podcast Festival and the host of Outlier On Air. It's a podcast that features conversations with founders and disruptors, mavens, folks who are breaking the status quo and changing the world. And this is a fun conversation because we talk about Ever's unique career trajectory from logistics to event planning and on to podcasting. He talks about the work that goes into planning and hosting events, conferences, and even micro events. And we speculate on what the coming year holds for the podcasting industry. So many things in motion coming out of this pandemic. And it's fun to talk through ideas with someone who's just as passionate about podcasting as I am. Ever stresses the value he places on the relationships he's made and the unique conversations he's had through his podcasting journey. And we talk about that as well. So I know you'll really enjoy these conversations if you've been appreciating the past couple that we've had. We just keep getting better and better with these conversations. And I find them more entertaining as a host. And I really feel like I need to bring my A game to ensure that I'm adding as much value to you, the audience, as possible. So I appreciate you listening. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com. Thanks to all who have been patient with the website. We had a malware issue, so the website was actually down for probably more than a couple of weeks, probably close to a month, if I'm being honest. So switched hosts, shout out to Kinsta. I'm going to look at that as an option for our main site for Fullcast and now for Podcast Junkies. So far, I'm extremely impressed with the performance. So that was a non-sponsorship-based shout-out for Kinsta.com, K-I-N-S-T-A.com. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcastjunkies, and we'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. Always pushing folks to try new apps for their listening experience and as a way to contribute directly to podcasts. And you can find that list at newpodcastapps.com. Okay, we've got a quick word from our sponsor. And after that, we'll proceed with the episode Uninterrupted with Ever Gonzalez. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlett 2i2. 
sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right, and the link will be in the show notes as well. So, Ever Gonzalez, longtime podcast peep, thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Absolutely. I'm very excited to be here. I've been a fan for, I don't know, three or two years. How long has it been? It's been a while, right? I feel kind of bad because it feels like this is way overdue. I'm like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how's ever never been on the show? That's bananas. Because when we hang out, we get to talk all the time and stuff, and that's what it feels like, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, but I find that sometimes these conversations end up being so much fun, and you forget that this is something that you're doing regularly, like you're hosting a podcast and you're interviewing someone, because when you're chatting with friends, the time just just flies by, and it's just like catching up, and it just happens to be that someone else is listening <laughs> to our conversation. That's right. You know, Tony, I'm sure this happens to you too, because you have, I know a lot of your friends, you have a lot of interesting friends, not just in the industry, but just in general, that, you know, sometimes we're on a road trip or at a dinner or somewhere. And I'm like, this is so good. I should be recording it. This is such good content. And then, you know, you want to live in the moment too, though. But uh, there are a lot of times when I'm like, this would have been a great episode on this specific topic. It seems like you always got that producer hat on. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So how did you get, so for folks that don't know, Tell them a little bit about how we met, which I think is always a great story and and, uh, and about Outlier. Yeah. So we met through a mutual friend, right? And so we right, were in the same space. I had been a big fan of what you've been doing. Finally got to meet in person. You couldn't have been a nicer guy. Right here, you have some clout in the industry. You have obviously produced great episodes. You help a lot of people in the industry. And then not that I was expecting a jerk or anything, but you went out of your way and you know, you knew a little bit about me as well and the festivals that we were putting on. And you were like, hey, you need to talk to this guy to come speak at your event, or you guys should have these guys as your sponsors. And not only did you drop names and like you walked me to a lot of these people and said, ever so-and-so, so-and-so ever, you guys need to connect. And then you like made it so easy to, you know, ask them about sponsorships or to come speak at our events. And I was like, man, like that's a big deal, right? It doesn't happen very often, but you gave you gave it all right, right at the beginning. And so we've been friends ever since, because I I really appreciated the fact that you were like, oh, I know some people, let's make some good connections. And I think we work similar that way because, you know, I love networking. I love connecting the dots and people that, uh, that should know each other. Right. And so from day one, I was like, this guy is the real deal. And I like it a lot. Was that at NAB? It was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that was two years ago. (laughs) That's years ago. That's crazy. Yeah, I think you spoke to Dave Jackson there, and uh, you might have even met Dan from. I don't know if that's where you met Dan from Focus Right or. No, I, I knew him before that, but um, let's see, Erica Mandy. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I knew about her. We'd emailed a couple times. I don't know that I would have recognized her in person, but you were like, "Hey, Mandy, come here," and then you know we had a, a great chat. Very cool. Yeah, she's blown up, man. It's crazy to see. I know. I'm so happy. She's so down to earth, but very professional. She's doing some cool stuff in the industry. I feel lucky to have interviewed her like early because I remember when she was starting the show and we were at PodFest and I was like, oh, let's come on. I want to talk about that. And it was just, you know, really early days. <laughs> and I was helping. Actually, we had a couple of calls about some marketing ideas. But yeah, she just took the ball. In. And I think it just speaks to her professionalism because she's been doing like she was a journalist. She's a reporter, sorry, for, I think for like 12 years. So she just had to learn the podcast stuff. So, but the discipline of 
putting out that show on a daily basis is pretty impressive. Yeah. I think when we first talked to her, she was doing it all by herself, like really late at night, putting that stuff together. Now I'm sure she has some help, but uh, in the beginning it was just her. And I was like, man, first of all, is this sustainable? You can be able to do this day in, day out, because it's a lot that uh, what she was doing, what she still is doing. Luckily she has a little bit of help because of the success that she has seen. She just had, uh, my, my girlfriend likes to play, uh, Natalie likes to play the the episodes in the morning sometimes. And she just had someone covering her while she was on maternity leave, which was pretty cool. Yeah, so she's like covering for her commandee who was on maternity leave. And she just kind of had the same energy and stuff. So that's, you know, you could probably speak about this a little bit, but just having support and being able to feel confident that you can scale something and knowing that people have your back, I think is is pretty cool. Yeah, we had her at one of our events too in LA this in 2019 in September 2019 she came out and spoke and of course man I mean she killed it right she's very professional and just very likable and a lot like you she was like hey you guys should talk to these people have you thought about doing this or this and I welcome all that kind of feedback it was perfect I think that's one of the things I've missed the most from COVID and I unfortunately won't be able to make it probably not to a podcast movement so I still won't I've already had people ask me you can be there you can be there you know like oh man so I have to start planning because I had stuff coming up so I think I'm, I want to hit 2022, hit the ground running and, and at least get two or three of the big ones in the calendar. But for the listener who may not know about Outlier, tell me a little bit about the origin story there. Yeah. So my background's in logistics. I spent most of my career, right? I don't know, 15, 17 years or so in, in logistics and you know, moved up the ladder. I started in the warehouse, kind of did with VP of sales at one point and director of operations. And then I was like, you know what? I think I can do this on my own. So I started my own logistics company. Did you drive the the forklift? Yeah. <laughs> in the very beginning, absolutely. Right. Uh, it's funny. I, I talked, I didn't know what logistics was. I didn't know what freight management was. I was 19, maybe 20, talked my way into a job that I didn't understand, even know what it was about just because I remember when they listed it, they were like, it pays this much. And I was like, Ooh, I want that. And so I BS my way into a job. Luckily I was there for three years, learned my way. It was a startup and uh, they, uh, from there, I was like, didn't look back. But anyway, started my own company in back in the day, ran it for about four years, sold it. And then I had a non-compete, right? In my whole life, I just knew logistics. And so I was like, shoot, I can't go back into logistics because I have a non-compete, right? Because I just sold the company and I have a little bit of time in my hand and a little bit of money. What, do I, what am I going to do with my life, right? What am I going to do for the next couple of years? And I was like, oh, I know. I like people and I like talking about business. So I started the the Outlier on Air podcast. You know, we have 450 episodes or so now, right? We've been doing this since 2013. And then from the podcast, we opened up a co-working space in Southern Utah. And all of this, I didn't know anything about podcasting. I didn't know anything about media. I didn't know anything about events, but it would just kind of built upon itself. Talking to cool people. Awesome. Hey, let's start a co-working space for entrepreneurs in Southern Utah. We did. And I was like, we have this cool space. Let's host some events. I didn't know anything about events, but we hosted events every month. It was fun. It blew up. And I was like, you know, St. George, where I was doing this, is awesome. Southern Utah, great, great place. How about we go and host events in other cities? And I was like, okay, let's go do that and figure it out. And we haven't looked back. And so, yeah, we host podcast festivals and we host uh, entrepreneurial conferences as well. So we do two or three of these a year, actually three or four a year. And so obviously with COVID, that kind of put a, a little bit of, you know, a towel over us, but lots to unpack there. <laughs> right. But now we, let's see, the, September 2021, we're hosting our first event in over a year here in Austin, Texas. Oh, awesome. I will definitely, what's the date on that? Uh, 23rd and 24th. 
September 23rd, 24th in Austin. I will definitely look at trying to make that. If you can come, let me know. I'll get you on. Yeah, don't, yeah, save me a speaker slot. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Always. So a lot to dig into as you follow that thread. One of the things that was interesting that you said early on, going back to the logistics company, is that you talked your way into it. And was that like a childhood trait? Or like, did you have, you know, if, if you talk to family members, it'd be like, oh, yeah, Ever's always been like that. Yeah, I think uh, you know I was very quiet when I was growing up. I, I still consider myself somewhat quiet, but I, I like people enough that you know I can talk to anybody. I can kind of you know try to charm them at least a little bit, right, without being insincere. Um, and so I've kind of always had that, but I was still a little bit quiet. But when I see something that I want that I like, you know, whether it's a job or you know a girl or something like that, I can definitely turn it up whenever I, I need to. And uh, again, I saw the ad and I saw the pay, and I just knocked on the door, said I will work for you. You, I will be the best employee for you. And I absolutely did it. I put my heart and soul into this. I was, yeah, 19, 20 or so. And right, I knew at that point that uh, college wasn't for me. I had already dropped out twice <laughs> from school. And I was like, well, I need to make a career out of something. This is kind of cool. And these guys, right, these, um, it was a calibration lab out of uh, El Segundo, California. So they had big contracts with Boeing and Raytheon, and they just needed these satellites and big equipment transported from one place to another. And I was in charge of making sure that it was handled properly, all the paperwork signed, all the, you know, all the different things uh, lining up. And again, did that for three years, learned, grew with the company. And then that kind of just catapulted me up into the logistics field because I learned so much in, in those three years. And after that, I just went from, you know, high paying job in, in that industry to high paying job, right? I went from I think I was just like a logistics guru. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I didn't even know what my title was there. Because I, I was the only one in the department, so logistics manager, I guess. But from there, you know, I went a vessel superintendent down to the port of Long Beach to director of operations to BPS. That's a big port. Yeah, and it was great. So when you think about logistics and and shipping and everything that's related to that, it always interests me because of all the moving parts. And I did some consulting with a company and my client was Unilever. So I got to spend like a lot of time there. And so just understanding like supply chain and all the, like how the pieces move together and how, when you think about the things that appear like this, like notebook that's in my hands or this pen <laughs> for the benefit of the listener, I'm just like showing stuff on the screen, but yeah, people don't think about all the things that had to happen for that to get there. And as you were starting to learn more and more of the ropes and, and taking on more and more responsibility, what were the, some of the, the takeaways for you from, from the time you spent there? Yeah, I think it just, you know, I think I lucked out because I think my brain is built that way, right? Organizing these things and making you know, the, the, in my life, I'm not very detail oriented, right? I leave it up to others to kind of do that stuff. But when it came to supply chain and logistics and all those things, yeah, I was very focused and very detail oriented. And it just kind of made sense in my head where others, when they looked at the data or needed to figure that part out, you know, it, it didn't necessarily make sense. And so, I, I just walked into something that was perfectly set up for my personality and my brain. And I realized that early on, that's why I stuck kind of in that field. Cause it wasn't always fun and it wasn't always sexy, but it did pay well and it was easier for me to do. And so that's why I was like, no, I'm doubling down. This is what I'm good at. I'm going to follow it. And again, it wasn't until I sold my company that I had to kind of figure out what else I wanted to do. But for a long time, I thought I was going to retire doing something in logistics and I might still go back to it. I consult a few different manufacturing companies or logistics companies every once in a while, but uh, I'm having too much fun with what I'm doing now <laughs> with Outlier to, to go back fully to logistics. 
what was happening in your world where podcasts came on your radar because you you know the idea of starting your show and then figuring out like the topics you want to talk about like what what was inspiring that I remember reading an article and you know I kind of heard about the word podcasting this was 20 2012, right? So obviously they were out there, but uh, not like they are now. And so I remember thinking, okay, I kind of know what that is, online radio, maybe, something like that. But then I read an article that uh, Tom Hanks, a podcaster, Nerdist podcast, I don't know if you're familiar with it, the guy Chris who- Chris Hardwick. Chris Hardwick, who was the host, he was a big fan of Tom Hanks, and he knew that Tom Hanks loved these old-timey like typewriters. So he bought one, sent it to him with a note saying, you can have this typewriter if you come on my podcast. And anyway, he did, and it was a cool uh, episode. But I remember reading the article thinking, that's genius marketing. Like, that's the way to do it. So like, uh, and it's not like I'm a big, huge Tom Hanks fan or anything, but I was like, I want to listen to this and see what he has to say, because I want to hear the story about the typewriter. Listen to the episode. I was like, it's just two cool people having a great discussion. And I'm like, what is this, podcasting? And so anyway, I listened to a lot of his other shows, Went and, and found other podcasts that I liked, business podcast, Mixer G with Andrew Warner. Andrew Warner. So it's like great stuff. And I was like, I was still very into logistics at that point, but I'm like, you know what? This is fun. I, I bet I can do this. Anyway, sat on it for a long time. It wasn't until I sold my company that I was like, you know, I really enjoyed listening to that and I really enjoyed everything about it. I don't know how to do this, but I have some time on my hands, so I'm going to figure it out. And thinking it was just going to be like a side project, something that was going to be fun just for me. And it definitely is fun, but it kind of blew up a little bit in the beginning. And I was like, well, this is getting some traction. And like a lot of people are listening to it. And I'm reaching out to people that I have no connection to or no reason that I should be calling anyway or, or should be taking my calls. But because I had this a podcast, people were, were like, yeah, let's, yeah, you can talk to our CEO or this high profile person, right? And so I've had authors that I like on my show. I've had actors, I've had sports, you know, athletes and, and just, outliers from all over the world. And it's been fantastic. I've made a lot of friends because of the show, just by having people on it. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that people don't really wrap their head around because I'm, I'm noticing it with this show. I started the second show called the vertical farming podcast. And I specifically was targeting CEOs and founders. And because I went for such high caliber guests, everyone in the industry now knows like the show. And now I'm getting like emails from like, Hey, can we have our CEO, not the marketing person? Like they're like, we want our CEO. And so it's been fascinating to like see it play out. And then I'm, I've gotten sponsors now for every season and they're like looking to re-up now because there's like, Oh yeah, this we see we're getting people mentioning the company on the podcast. And so like this super, super niche <laughs> like industry, and then your ability to what you just alluded to just like having the ability to just have conversations i'm learning about the topic but because of the all the miles i put in with podcast junkies i'm super comfortable interviewing on a topic like that i know little about because that's not the topic it's the person my focus is like completely on the person in front of me completely trying to understand like you know beginner's mindset like why'd you do that ever like what made you want to start that and it doesn't matter that they're ceo because they all have an origin story right so and it's funny just much like you right i mean we kind of have that same personality and we can talk to just about anybody but because you're curious about them and you want to hear their story right i've had astrophysicists on my show i have no idea what they're talking about right but i mean i can get the story out and then they go kind of like into this little rant and i'm like okay listen you lost me with the technical stuff but that's cool that you did this or that and stuff. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Right. But it's funny because 
much like you, when I call on a CEO or somebody that's high profile, Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, I was just a big fan of the book, right? And I was like, I wonder if I can get him on the show. I called him and he took my call, right? And he wouldn't have if I just wanted to geek out on him and pick his brain. But because I have this platform, he took the call and he accepted. And he's been on the show twice for both of his books. Oh, so cool. And so it's funny how it works that way. We're adding value, you and I and others that have platforms are adding value to them because people get to hear about them and you know they can talk about the books or whatever else, their companies, whatever else they're doing. And it just kind of works both ways. We just have to learn how to be a little bit better at it and adding value to them as well, because obviously our time and their time very valuable. Yeah. And it's one of the my podcast mantras, but treating your guests like gold, like really valuing their time, but not just on the conversation, but even like how you reach out to them, like what's the tone of the email, you know, were you following them before on socials and just really doing your homework and then how you present the show and, and the benefit the show and the benefit that their appearance could have for this audience and explaining that to them. And then I think really like holding it through the process and then making sure they have a great experience on the show, but then it's the follow-up and then it's like, you know, letting them know, making it super easy for them to share. Cause you know, that's something we do for clients is we make, when we prepare their email, that's going to go to their guests. It's got everything. And there's like all the graphics we created, all the links, some sample copy, you know, just really a clickable tweet. Cause I always say you never want your guests to work harder than you. Yeah, for sure. Make it as easy as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, as you were doing the show, then the events came up, right? So I'm wondering, I want to hear about this, this transition. You're doing the podcast. You're getting these, having these great conversations. You know, talk to me about what's going through your head at that point now. Yeah, at that point, we opened up the co-working space, right? So we had entrepreneurs coming in every day and working on their startups. And we were heavily involved in an ecosystem with investors and startups. And again, I'm a connector. So I was like, hey, let me get these entrepreneurs and let me get these investors and let's kind of bring them together. And so that was the beginning of it. So where we kind of had these fireside chats with these either CEOs or investors and invited the group to come. And it's funny because I, I'm not, I don't want to be on stage. I am because I have to, but I don't like being on stage. I don't want to be the center of attention. I am much more comfortable because of, I think my background in logistics, being the guy that kind of puts it all together and then letting other people shine. And in the beginning I had, you know, I had people to host the, the, the events and like be the MCs and all that stuff and like kind of be the life of the party. And it was great, but I knew that eventually I had to kind of step up and do it myself to kind of grow, not just myself personally, but the brand of Outlier and, and all those things. And I haven't looked back. It's been great. But anyway, started the events. I was like, hey, this was a lot of fun. It was somewhat easy to put together. And so we were doing one a month for a long time. You know, so we have over 200 events under our belt. And then three years ago, three and a half years ago, was when we kind of shifted a little bit and focused on the podcast festivals. And that's been a lot of fun too. But we still are still doing startup business conferences on the site as well. I think what was really interesting about the format is that it's much smaller. So obviously any, anyone listening will know about podcast movement and, and podcast. And uh, we'll also talk a little later about Chris and how you know people take care of each other and support each other, even across the conferences. But talk about your decision to go with a smaller format. Yeah. So when we were doing these, we called them Founders Weekends events, you know, we've had big ones, we've had small ones, you know, small, more intimate, 30 people in attendance type to, well, in the hundreds. And I feel the most comfortable at around the 200 attendee range, right? Because up to about 200, I can control the 
the vibe. I can control the atmosphere. I can control the, you know, how the speakers feel, how the attendees feel. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can make more money if we opened it up to more people. But again, I, I just, I like doing it fast. I like doing it loose. If you've been to a, one of our shows, you know, we don't have the big flashy lights. We don't have the big fancy stages. Like I like it raw and, you know, I, I don't make, I like it raw and real and it's just you and the mic and let's see what you got. Right. Yeah. And slides are fine, all that stuff. But like, I want the attendees to feel like you're talking to them. And and I think we are able to kind of put that across because, you know, we don't rent out these hotel conference rooms or these hotel, you know, things. We'd like to find these audible places, right? Old theaters or co-working spaces. Or when we were in LA this last time, like an old kind of abandoned building, right? The loft looking downtown LA, right? Overlooking yeah, yeah. a lot of different, the beautifulness and ugliness of downtown. I mean, it was fantastic. And so we want that type of atmosphere where we have a lot of cool stuff on stage, but we have the attendees there and the speakers and the sponsors kind of interacting in a more comfortable setting, right? As much as I love podcast movements and PodFest, those guys are my friends and I go and I attend and I have a great time seeing all my friends out there. I just kind of wanted to do something a little bit different, smaller, more intimate shows. And again, it's for selfish reasons because it's easier for me to control and kind of put together. And they're just much more fun for me. And we're going to continue to do that, right? We're like, well, I think we're getting big enough and we're getting recognized enough in the industry that I'm sure we can get 300, 400, 500 if we wanted to. And if we put, you know, a little bit more time and resources into it, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun at the 200 mark. So we don't plan on changing any, anytime soon, right? When we, during the pandemic, we kept our, we already had our events lined up for the year. So we were supposed to go to Salt Lake City. We did actually in January. I remember, yeah. And we were going to, supposed to go to Columbus, Ohio in May. And obviously May, right? That's, it was already full swing at that point. So we canceled it. We did it online. We did the same speakers virtually, all that good stuff. Kind of took a little bit of the magic away, right? Because being in person, I think that's where the magic happens. But it was still a great event. We had 750 attendees or something like that, three full days. And it was great. But at that point, I didn't have to worry about, you know, not being able to control the vibe and all that stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah. So since May of last year, we had that May, we had September, and then we had this last May as well. So we've had three virtual events. And now starting in September, we're back to in-person events. Yeah. And so again, we're not going to change anytime soon. I think it's going to be around the 200 uh, person mark. Yeah. Having spoken at uh, one of the ones, I guess it's a year and a half now. Where were you? <laughs> you came to Austin, right? Austin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That was fun. Austin was great. Yeah. The intimacy of the room is what I like. And the, you could almost, every presenter could probably present without our mic, I think as well. Cause they're even, I mean, I think we get a handheld, but I think it's so intimate. And then as soon as you're done, you're like in the crowd and you're there and you're hanging out in the back and, and then you're watching the other speakers. And then, and then it was like, oh, and then people can get to know each other better because you're in the same room and there's no hallways to go down. And just, we're kind of like in the same room. So we have to like co-mingle there. Joe Pardo does something similar or he used to do with his, with his MapCon, which is that's that same type of vibe. But yeah, I think it's a good one to provide a healthy alternate to the bigger ones. And especially since you're moving locations. So what's the new lineup look like after Austin? So we haven't decided yet. So the next one is going to be January of 2021 or 2022. So it'll be January, March or January, May and September. I think I still want to go back and hit Columbus, Ohio, since we missed that. And then, you know, we're thinking Canada, Vancouver or something like that, which would be kind of cool. 
And then you, d- you just have the super fans just follow you around. Yeah, we, it's funny. We feel like the Grateful Dead a little bit because we've had, right, we've had maybe 10 events now and we have like a little a little fan base that follows from city to city and it's great to see. I was, we must be doing something right because these guys keep, keep coming out. And, you know, it's, you mentioned as a speaker, you're right there in the room and then you're done and then you can con- connect. And I'm not ever worried about the speakers because for the most part, the speakers that we bring on, you know, for the most part, these speakers are very confident and they can come and light up a room, whether it's 20 people or 500 people, right? I'm not worried about them mingling because I know they will because that's their type of personalities. Like, I'm not worried about you, but I am worried about the the guy or the gal that's starting the podcast that came out by herself, doesn't know anybody, wants to really talk to Harry, right, about an idea she has or whatever. And hopefully I've made it comfortable enough for her where it's not daunting where you come off the stage you know, a ton of cheering, these lights flashing. No, no, you just got done. You put the mic down and now you're a real person again. Hopefully it gives her enough confidence to kind of come and talk to you because again, it's a little bit more intimate. And we've seen that for sure. And I've had people tell me at the events or afterward in an email saying, Hey, that was cool that I was able to talk to a sponsor for a long time or talk to a speaker for a long time. And I'm like that. Perfect. That's what we want to hear. So do you think about always like tweaking that experience? Because I'm always fascinated by, again, coming back to the customer experience. There's a book I really like by Joey Coleman called Never Lose a Customer. Highly recommend uh, you read it because it speaks about like that whole journey of like how someone who's going to work with you is experiencing you before you've even met them. So they're checking you out. They're checking your stuff out and checking your website out, you know, and you're, you've never even heard of this person. Then they start to come on your radar. But then it's also that whole process, like what's the engagement, like the onboarding, the actual experience, the after experience, the community. And it's been fascinating to that point to think about maybe like a, a welcoming crew or just someone that, whose job it is to keep an eye out for stragglers or people like standing by themselves and be like, you come over here. <laughs> like we're going to meet, do a matchmaking thing or something like that would be interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. Customer service is, I mean, not just with the events that I have, just in general, I'm a big, you know, we notice it right away. And I, it's one of my pet peeves in retail stores or somewhere or wherever when it's bad customer service, I'm like, what's going on here? Anyway, it's one of the focuses that I have because I, I do want people to kind of have a good experience. And yeah, we do part of my crew. I have a couple of individuals that, that I always bring out and their whole job is to just kind of stand back and see what's going on and see if there are any stragglers or anybody that, that needs a little bit of help or seems confused. And then they go out and, you know, this one specific person that, that I bring out, she's very good with people. She's kind of quiet herself, but she's not afraid to kind of go talk to, to anybody she goes and she introduces herself and just chats. And then she's like, oh, you know what? You should meet someone. And like we've talked about in the past, she goes and she kind of brings that person into a little group because you don't ever want anybody kind of left out. But yeah, we've tweaked the festival a couple of times because of feedback that we get or just different experiences that we want to kind of do. All of our sessions, whether it's a keynote or a panel or a breakout session, 30 minutes, right? We It's Standard wise, it's usually 45 minutes to an hour, right? Yeah. 30 minutes. That's good. I like that. Harry, you have 30 minutes to get your point across to my attendees, get all the fluff out of the way, get to the meat of it, because that's what everybody wants. And then we move on. You know, it's fast. Now we're going to go to the next 30 minutes and the next 30 minutes. And so those that attend get to kind of experience a lot of these different topics, a lot of these different ideas. And I know that sometimes some of these topics are not as, you know, they're very complicated. So they need more than 30 minutes. Awesome. Hook them, Harry, and then have them engage with you after, right? Good point. Man, he did such a good job. I only got 20% of what maybe Harry has to offer. 
but because I know that he has more to offer, I'm going to connect with him individually and see how that goes. And so that helps our speakers as well, right? With uh, feeling good about our event that people are asking about them or want to connect with them or sign up for their newsletter or by their, but whatever it is, right? That's one of the reasons behind it. And plus, I just like the 30 minute session slot. It's, it keeps things moving. I like it. it. Does. Yeah. I don't ever want to see, you know, kind of look out into the crowd and see people sleeping, <laughs> tuning out, sleeping, right? That would be the worst. And 30 minutes, it keeps it again fast and loose. You don't, yeah, you certainly want, don't want uh, participants sleeping in your marketing crowd shot. That's right. You're like, oh, shoot, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Unless it's uh, Drew, what's his name? Sleep With Me, the podcast guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. that's good. Drew Ackerman. Drew Ackerman. Yeah, yeah. He's been on the show, but it's funny because he has sessions where he, the Sleep With Me podcast, is his purpose is to put people to sleep. Oh, really? So he drones. That's cool. <laughs> he, it's like, it's really, it became really popular. Like he's got this really soothing voice and then he'll read a story to you. And he got so popular, he started doing live readings and people would come in their pajamas and bring pillows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> Good for him, right? I mean, what a niche. Talk about branding, yeah, yeah. What a niche. Who would have thought that that would work? You know what? I want people to come and listen to me so I can put them to sleep. <laughs> like, all right. That really goes to show you there's, there's something for everyone. So, you know, all my podcasting peeps and specifically the events peeps were like top of mind for me, like, during COVID. So I'm just curious, you know, as someone who is in the event space, you know, there's no surprise to anyone that, that the whole industry got totally rocked by the pandemic. And I'm just curious how that time was for you. And obviously you've, you know, bounced back or, or whatever the, the appropriate phrase is, recovered. And I'm just curious how things went for you and what was going through your mind at the time. Yeah. And it was strange, right? So we were still living in Southern Utah. We knew that we were going to move out to Austin and we sold our house. We put our market, our house in the market late January, like the last weekend in January. It sold February 1st. So like it was up for two days and then we sold it. And so we thought we were going to have a little bit more time out there. Anyway, sold it and we moved out here during the pandemic. And so everything was new to us, right? And so we leased a house out here in Austin for a year before we figured out where we wanted to buy. Anyway, yeah, it was rough because every three and a half months, every four months, we have a new event. And so I go from event to event to event. And then when we realized that we were going to have to shut it down, not just Columbus in May, but the next few, I was like, oh shoot. You know, and then like, I'm sure like everybody else, I'm like, all right, how are we doing money-wise? How are we doing? Just, are we going to be able to survive this? Am I going to be able to kind of host events again? I mean, what's the world going to come to? And so, yeah, there were some, especially early that summer, some rough moments, you know, luckily we weren't starving. We weren't worried about those type of things, but just thinking, what's outlier going to look like uh, of all this? But yeah, we kept it going and it worked. And I picked up some, you know, some consulting gigs here and there just to kind of keep it even. And it, luckily, our sponsors stuck with us, right? So it wasn't um, they didn't pull back. They 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 were like, all right, it's, it's going to be virtual. I guess everybody's in a virtual. Let's do it. And not just that, but they kind of came back and stepped up because it was going to be virtual. And right, a lot of the our podcasting friends and attendees and just creatives in general, especially creatives in general, right? The um, those independent contractors, right? They were struggling money wise, and you know, because those jobs kind of dried up. And so, I didn't feel comfortable charging a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, or whatever it was that we were going to do. So we said, you know, pay what you can, anywhere from five bucks to fifty bucks, and Podchaser specifically great sponsor. They were like, Hey, we'll pony up some cash and kind of try to offset this. And, you know, those that maybe can attend, 
we'll pick them up. And they did. And, you know, oh, that's, so nice. that's where we had our 750 or so attendees because sponsors like that, they kind of stepped up and said, yeah, let's, let's kind of keep this going. Right. And I'm so glad you mentioned them and, and Cole Raven, a co-founder of Podchaser has been on great guy, real good guy. And so it's not surprising to hear that, especially it speaks to the relationships we build in person not even thinking about like how they'll pay off in the end, but I think it's that connection that getting to know people. So when times like this happen, like those, you really see like <laughs> the, the value of those connections you made in those friendships and how it turns out. You know, it's funny. A lot of people say this, and but it's true, right? Because my background logistics and then uh, entrepreneurial events and, and those type of things that we were doing in the startup scene, since we kind of switched over or focused a little bit more on podcasting in the last uh, three or four years, this in this industry, there are a lot of people that really care about each other and give back and are selfless, and just do it because they're good people. You know, I, I know that there is some competition and there are those type of things, but right, other events, professionals, coordinators that that are doing podcast festivals or event, like those are some of my closest friends. Now they're not like it's not like we're competing against each other. Although, if on from the outside, it, we should be right somewhat competing for eyeballs and attendees. But Chris from Podfest, one of the nicest guys has yeah, totally. given me so much advice. He's kind of taking me under his wing when it comes to events. And I can call him anytime and he'll take my call and be like, oh, I did this. So maybe you should think about this and this. Dan Frank from uh, Podcast Movement came and sponsored our Austin events, right? He brought, that was so cool. not only did he attend, but he bought uh, breakfast burritos for everybody on that second day. Like that's legit stuff right there, right? I'm, that's awesome. For the most part, any other industry would have been like, no, screw these guys. They're right in our space. Let's, you know, let's get them out of here. But no, the the podcasting community has been strong. And again, it sounds cliche, but it truly feels like a family, not just the event space, but with podcasters in general, creatives, production companies. Like I see people helping each other on a regular basis and it's beautiful to see. Yeah, it's been, that's one of the things that stood out for me because I came into it brand new in 2014. <laughs> I didn't know, and I knew some people because I joined John Lee Dumas's Podcasters Paradise. So some of those people from there, they're like, "Oh, let's meet here." So I kind of knew them, but just to see how, just to make new friends and see people, and invite them on, and then they become longtime friends, and and I think that's really like I alluded to it earlier. One of the things I've missed so much about the like the past year about just getting to see at least you know friends like that twice if not maybe more often a year so really looking forward to picking that up but the other thing that it's highlighted which is interesting for me and and i don't know if you can maybe speak to this as well but i did i really wasn't making a conscious effort to like make friends locally i think as much as i probably should be (laughs) and i'm new to minneapolis as well so i didn't grow up here so the combination of that and covid and not having the conferences has been like oh wow this is like i didn't realize how much i was getting from those interactions with uh, you know some of my friends. Yeah, it's funny because I mean I haven't seen you specifically since May of 2019, I think, no, 2018. Were you at Podfest? Because Podfest is the last event we were at. Yeah, we did do Podfest. Yeah, but it's funny because you're always top of mind, or like I know that you're right there, even though we haven't talked in in a couple months or a few months. But I know that I can reach out to you, and you'd be like. Boom. Let's talk. We, we all have friends like that, right? Yeah. In the industry that, that are just kind of, yeah, what, what do you need? How can I help type of uh, individual, right? And so it's, yeah, I think with the not having friends in person because of COVID kind of was offset because we have so much 
interaction still with our online friends or our podcasting friends. One of the things that I continue to say about my own personal show, Outlier on Air, right? We interview outliers from all over the world that even if nobody was listening to the show, I would still do the show because I get much more out of it than anything else, right? So it's cool that people are downloading it and listening to it and, and interacting with us. But it's the conversations that I have with truly interesting people from all over the world that a lot of them I become friends with. A lot of them I invite to come and speak in my events for free, right? We don't pay our speakers. A lot of them fly in for free. They stay in a hotel that they pay for, right? So I'm not writing checks to these guys, but because of the connection that we had on our show and other interactions that I try to have outside of the, the episode, they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll play out there for free and I'll pay my own way and give it 30 minutes. I'll give a 30 minute talk. And it's worth it because of the interaction that I had with you ever. And hopefully the attendees that are there. And, you know, for the most part, I don't, we haven't really had any complaints about, Hey, it wasn't worth it or it wasn't a great experience. Cause we try to go out of our way to make it a great experience. Are you thinking about things to tweak as you start rolling out the new events? Yeah, I think we want to take some bigger swings, right? We want to have some things that are maybe a little bit unconventional to see what works, what doesn't. I, Ariel Nissenblatt, who's my partner in this, right? We, we want, we feel comfortable with everything that we're doing with the content that's coming off from our stage and the interactions that we have at their events. That if we take a swing, you know, a big swing or two and whiff and strike out, and it doesn't work, the entire show, the entire event still works because they're such great speakers and interactions overall that I'm willing to take a chance in with a new idea, even if it doesn't work. Because if it doesn't work, it'll be covered by the rest of the show. If it works, we hit a home run even better. Yes, yeah, so we have some ideas that, that we're trying to work with. We're trying to do a little bit more live, interactive type of podcasting, right? Where we're creating episodes you know, not just recording a live episode, but like I want it to be more interactive with the audience. I want to bring in some of these like uh, Girl in Space type of podcasts where they do a live read from there and have the audience interact with it, with the actors. And th- like, I don't know, we're trying to figure out a lot of different things. And, you know, we also have the earbuds pitch competition, right? So we bring in new podcasters to kind of pitch their idea. The winners get professional equipment. They get uh, consulting from some of our VIPs and our judges. And it's been great. You know, in Austin, last time when you were there, I think you were one of the judges. Were you not? No, I was judge on the virtual. Oh, the virtual. Yeah. Yeah. But you were there not in Austin. I was physically there. Yeah. That one. Yeah. There's this one podcast that this great Ivy, great lady came up and she pitched her idea. She was like, Hey, it's FOMO, fear of missing out. Or, you know, she. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I remember. She's a, she was afraid of. Like she's not an outdoorsy type of a person. Anyway, she goes out the outdoors, she goes camping, goes hiking, and she's like talking about the entire experience about you know getting bit by mosquitoes and things like that. Anyway, that was a year and a half ago, and it's been, so she didn't win. She came in second, but it was such a good episode that or a good idea that some of the people there were trying to help her. I'm sure they gave her some ideas. Some of the connections that she made there were awesome. And then now, just last month, launched is doing great, has been kind of partnered with Spotify or has a, you know, been listed on Spotify Oh, nice! and has a bunch of articles written about her and how awesome it is and how funny it is. And like, she's a year and a half later, it's like blown up. Not, not necessarily because of what she did there at our event, but like, that's the kind of stuff that we want to kind of encourage. And, and so now she's coming back, you know, to speak at it and talk about her 
you know, from the idea to where she is now getting all this attention. I mean, that's a cool story to tell to aspiring and indie podcasters, right? And so, yeah, I remember her. She's Asian American. She is right? Asian, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was about yeah, this the exact opposite of like it was something related to the word FOMO, I think. Yeah, she was. Yeah, <laughs> but the fact that she was there and now she's come full circle and coming back—that's like for you as the sort of like not, maybe like a proud papa moment, but just kind of like seeing the whole the genesis of. Even though I had very little to do with it, other than host this little event, it's definitely is a like a proud papa moment for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's not a little thing. I mean, the fact that you created an environment that allowed that to happen and and her to see that and just be like, oh, this is the one where I want to talk to that silly idea I had. And then to see it end up where it's ended up, it's so awesome. Yeah. And so she's going to be in Austin? So she lives in Austin, yeah. So okay, that's right, yeah. And speak about, and like, that's not just as somebody that's putting these together, but even if I was an attendee, like, that's exactly what I want to see at these events because that's real life. Like, we're going to, She's going to talk about the idea. She's going to talk about being so nervous about coming to pitch at our event. And then she was like, okay, shoot, now what do I do now? And I know that a couple of mentors kind of connected with her and said, well, let's figure out this and this and this. And now she's getting all this attention from these big companies and, you know, articles all over the place because of something amazing that she's done. And just a year ago, a year and a half ago, she had no <laughs> so podcasting. Now she's getting all this attention, which is great. Talk about the best client testimonial ever. <laughs> right. It's so good. So with all the things you've got on your plate, did I also see that you you have an Outlier branded Chrome plugin? Yes. <laughs> Talk to What's that about? And it's free, right? I mean, I love indie podcasters. I want to make podcasting as easy as possible. And a lot of the things that I do because I want to do them, right? Not because I think that they're big money makers, although there are some of those ideas, but, but Outlier in general makes money, but it's not a like a huge moneymaker for me because it's more of a fun kind of thing that I'm doing. And so we have this uh, Chrome plugin where it makes it easy for people to that are taking notes, whether you have an interview show or whatever it is, you know, you put in somebody's name and uh, look them up on, we're connected through Podchaser, right? So if I put in Harry Duran on there, every episode that you've done, every episode that you've been in, or whether it's a, a topic or whatever it is, kind of comes up and then I can collect that data, put it into this file. And then when I'm ready to do my show, I just kind of pull that file up and I have all the links, all the data, all the comments, all the, you know, whatever it is on there so that I can have the best show possible. So I'm the most prepared to talk about this person or this topic, or if I'm writing the paper. And so anyway, it's a free plugin, but you know, we're, this is part of the plan to kind of give, 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 give as much as possible, add a ton of value so that when it's ready for us to be like, now it's time for you to buy this thousand dollar, whatever high ticket item, whether it's a, a retreat or whether it's a software that, you know, we're, that we're looking at or something, it'll make it easier for you to be like, Oh, I, I have a good experience with, with the outlier brand and whatever that they're like, and I know that it's good. And I know that I've, you know, his events are all right. And so I trust hopefully that this will work. And so that's kind of the plan for now. We're not in a hurry, right? I'm going to continue to do this for as long as I, I want, as long as it's making sense for me and, and that I'm having fun. And so I want to continue to add as much value as possible so that we hear more stories like Ivy's and other people that have are succeeding. Yeah. So cool. And it's fun seeing people that, uh, you know, that nobody knows about and I call them and I'm like, I like your story. You're not necessarily a professional speaker, but you have a, a good enough story that people are going to you know, excuse the ums and the nervousness and all that stuff. 
come on our stage, tell your story or teach what you need to teach. And then they do it. And then a year or so later, I see them on some of these bigger stages. I'm like, yeah, ah, yes, I love this gal was picked up. Right. And so again, those are small little proud pop-up moments. Again, nothing that I did that was big or anything. Just I'd like to think that I'm pretty decent at scoping out talent and desire and those type of things. And those are the people that we want on our stages. Regarding the plugin, because I'm a bit of a tech nerd as well. So did you just start working with a programmer to do it? Or did you have programming skills? Yourself? Are you, you going to tell me that that's something you actually learned yourself as well? <laughs> no, not at all. Most of the things that I do, again, I find the talent, right? And I'm like, hey, yeah, you can do this. Let's work on this. I have the idea. Yeah. And then, yeah, you, you go figure it out. So if you're going to, you know, if we were going to talk details, I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. I just know what it does. <laughs> you're the vision guy. That's right. And uh, which is fine, right? I, I, I'll let these other guys figure out how to how to put it together and all that, but it, it, it works well. And it's something that, uh, that I use personally. And, you know, we've already had a few, quite a few downloads already, or people that, that are using it because again, hopefully it's bringing value to them. And do you have to be on a specific page? You have to be on the Podchaser page or other websites for the content? No, it could be anything. Yeah. Okay. But we also are integrated with Podchaser, you know, just because in the space that we're all in, right. If you can find any type of information because pod chaser, man, they're, they're doing some cool stuff. Oh yeah. Really cool. Now that those episodes and that data and all that stuff. And so now I can find anything I want about Harry there. Right. And, and all in one place. Now I just kind of use the plugin. To kinda- yeah. We're making a concerted effort. I had my team go back and go through all my 266 episodes on pod chaser and make sure every single guest was added as a creator, as a guest. Oh, really? Because I was like, the SEO power of that, this is just like yeah, probably uh, something I'll, I'll do for one of the presentations, <laughs> maybe an outlier. But just I really like podcasters to think about this, the SEO power. And if there's a site that's really friendly to podcasting that has got $4 million in funding and is doing everything they can to get traffic to their site, why wouldn't you want to like leverage that piggyback off of that and then just if people are searching for an obscure name but that obscure name was on your show like it'll probably be the pod chaser link that's going to show up right about the appearance and so we're doing it now and we're actually doing it for our clients as well because i just like i just can't good conscience not feel like i'm doing everything possible for my clients i've already tested it and i'm like if i would do it for my show then i should probably be doing it for my clients shows. <laughs> and so we're making sure and then even as a even my, our company full cast i was like well I, I went back and told my shows and i put myself as a producer you know, and just these little things, this whole taxonomy group that Podchaser has been working with, and we'll provide a link to, the, to that in the show notes as well. But it's it's just standardizing. As the industry grows up, it's, you know, all these roles that people have, producer, cre- you know, a host, guest. I just love, like, the iteration and the thinking about it. And, you know, I've been following what they're doing lately and trying to figure out what could I build that could leverage off that as well. So my, my brain's always <laughs> thinking about ideas as well. Yeah, it's funny. Tell me about uh, with your clients and everything that you're doing, right? Uh, I mean, you're always thinking ahead, right? You're always trying to figure out what the next move is or what, where the industry is going. Sure. What is 2022 going to look like? I think just if, if you, you just put me on the spot, I would say from a sponsorship perspective, really getting sponsors and podcasts connected on the value of the show itself and staying away from the CPM model. And so... You know Dane Cardiol. Dane was at uh, Dane was at the event too. I think wasn't he in front of him? He used to work at Simplecast, and now he's VP at uh, Gumball. Oh, crazy, and, right? <laughs> so, too, kudos. It's always nice to cheer like friends and see as they move through the through the industry. But what they're doing is allowing you to directly work with podcasts to get 
reads or sponsor your stuff on there as a host read ad. And so you're dealing directly with the, with the podcast and not through an agency. So I really think that's interesting. When I talk about the vertical farming podcast, like we got our first sponsor before the podcast even launched. So I was like, real, real eye-opening moment for me. And, and I think more of that's going to happen. And I think even me as a production company, I'm talking to people and thinking longer term and saying, I don't want just want you as a client. I want to build a partnership with you. Let's maybe see if we can get a sponsor for this show that pays for our production costs and zero out of pocket for you. And it's win-win for the host. You know, it's win-win for us and it's win-win for the sponsor because they've got a niche podcast that we're going to create specifically tailored to content that, you know, is, makes their product look good. So those are really interesting experiments right now. And so, I mean, I know that we've been at this for a while, right? And I think I'm running into some companies because we kind of do similar things with sponsoring and, and those type of things. Some companies that are like podcasting, no, no, we, no thanks. That's like, it's too low or we, there, it's not enough there. Where other companies that are still large companies, they see the vision and they see the, that, you know, it's a niche audience, but in that niche works perfect for them. And so when it's a company that doesn't necessarily get it yet, what's your approach? Well, I don't think you'll be able to convince anyone who hasn't heard a podcast or is aware of the power, but you do have to do some education. So it's funny enough for season four, I'm actually, I just finished up like a whole wave outreach sponsorship emails, but this is on an air table that I've been working on for like the past almost two years of just collecting companies, collecting companies. And because I've learned a little bit about how to use that efficiently, I can create like a outreach table and look up. So basically as I go through each company, I'm like, okay, sent them an email. I went to their contact page, date last contacted. You have to be disciplined about this because if you're trying to look professional to a sponsor, like you need to look like you have your shit together, right? Because if they're going to be giving you thousands of dollars and then what you have to do is educate them. So in the pitch, I link to the Edison research report, right? And I'm like, look, you can see the trends. It's very clear what's been happening in the world of podcasting. Awareness is over the past 10, 15 years, whatever that bar graph that we've all seen is doing. I'm like, the podcast section starts on page 63. For some of our clients, like we create a really detailed page that I pull in all the reviews from Apple Podcasts. I do screenshots of them. I show, I use Notion pages. Notion.so is a great like tool that is it's like an Evernote and, and it makes it really easy to do pages for promotion. So that letter that I told you about that we send to guests when they appear in the show, that's now a Notion page because I can embed the media player from the hosting company. I can embed the audiogram we created. I can embed the graphics. So I'll play the audiogram right on the page. So it, like it's almost like a multimedia page that I send them. They're like, whoa, this is great. You made it so easy for me. And so now we're thinking about that for sponsors. I embed the episode. I'm like, listen at minute one where the host of the ad read for the show and then look at all the ratings for this show and then look at their social media reach and then like look at the industry so i basically like i've got now a template that i just i'm replicating and, and tweaking slightly but you have to tell a story you have to say this is why i think company xyz would benefit from being in front of this audience because look at the topics we're covering like or look at the pedigree of the host we're doing a show for a guy named dr brian boxler but he's an eye surgeon from Beverly Hills and he's got a TikTok channel with like 2.5 million followers. Oh, shoot, really? His daughter got him into it and he's blowing up. He was at 1.8 when we started working together. So we launched a podcast for him and it just, it's blown up. And it's <laughs> crazy because he's been able to like move some of the, not the 2 million, but like there's a portion of the people that come over 
And we have, we train them though. We say, hey, read the reviews. We use ratethispodcast.com for all our client sites. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. Listener, by the way, if you don't have one of those setups, that went up right away. But what I train my clients, I'm like, okay, this is what you're going to say at the end of your episode. This is your outro. We set up a ratethispodcast.com account for them. We give them the URL to say, because once those ratings come in and they read those ratings, it starts building up that visibility in Apple Podcasts, which I already thinking ahead, I know I'm going to go screenshot <laughs> to put on the sponsorship page. So I'm taking a lot of trial and error, but I'm just, I sort of like can see a couple of steps ahead. So now for my clients, I'm trying to like give them the training to think like that, to, to be sponsor ready. I say, Hey, do an ad read for your own business. Like do an ad read for something that whatever it is that you already do, if it's a book, it's a course or whatever, get listeners into the habit of hearing that ad read spot. Because if they like the show, they keep coming back. Eventually, at some point, like I, it'll click like it did for me. Like I've heard a couple of shows and I'm like, oh, wow, they've got an ad spot. And I like the show and I should probably like <laughs> like reach out and <laughs> like sponsor my show. And that's, and that's how it works. And it's funny because like you said, there's a lot of trial and error that you've, I'm sure that has happened in the last uh, two couple of years and stuff. But overall, you see it's still growing, right? I mean, it's, we're still like in the baby stages and that has so much potential, right? People are like, well, it's going to fade. It's going to, you know, it's a bubble. It's going to, and I'm sure there's going to be some of that in some of these podcasts or production companies or just uh, other companies in, in general are going to go away. But I think overall, this is here to stay. I mean, this is a pretty powerful medium already, and it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot, there's a lot of money that's coming into this space, which is kind of cool to see, you know, which is good and bad, right? Good because we want it and we need it and we want the attention. Bad because these celebrity shows that are generic sometimes are overshadowing a lot of these indie podcasters that are putting their heart and soul into this and have amazing shows. It's just at that point now, it's just a discoverability problem, right? Nobody knows about them, even though their content is fantastic. You know, some of these celebrity shows that are just some just kind of dumb, right? N nothing to it. Most of them are yeah. <laughs> brain dead stuff. Yeah. Most of them are still getting a lot of downloads where somebody in their basement that's doing some awesome stuff is, you know, being overlooked, which is again, good and bad, I guess. Have you been following the uh, podcasting 2.0 stuff? I have. Yeah. Well, tell me about it. No, I've been listening to the show. So it's podcastindex.org, which is the essentially like an alternate directory for podcasting. If you're a podcaster, you should go submit your show now. And the good thing is most of the hosts now connect with Podcast Index, so they'll submit your directory there. But I think what was, and it's Adam Curry and Dave Jones. And for those who are as old as I am, Adam Curry, yeah, the godfather of podcasting. He's one of, he's credited with, with us, uh, you know, the specifics about the timing. I don't know, a little off, but 2006, working with Dave Weiner, who created the RS, invented the RSS feed and built podcasting. So they've got a podcast called Podcasting 2.0. I've been listening like, every day and like every week and it's really fascinating it's super geeky because it gets into like the crypto stuff and and what they're calling value for value like a podcaster being compensated immediately like on the app i'm listening i love this podcast boost and they use sats which is a micropayment of bitcoin satoshis they're, they're short for satoshis but it's like the more you it's like when you first hear it it's super like over your head but if you keep listening each episode, you learn a little bit more. Oh, I get it. I get it. So now I've like put podcast junkies on the value block. Like I have, I'm in there and, th and that means that I might, my podcast, if you're listening on a breeze app or, or one of the other crypto friendly podcast players, you can literally send me like 
micro Bitcoin payments while this is happening. And if you are listening, that would be the good time to press that button. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> well, it's funny because on their show, they have a little jingle, Dave Jones and Adam Curry, and they're like, it's time to boost your sats. And it's funny because imagine if you're like, you're on an app that supports it, you're like, ah, ha, 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 ha. And then you're just like, boom, boom. And then you like, so, and they're like, pennies like equivalent but over time like you can create just the idea it's so wild it's so fascinating yeah yeah and what you can create allotments that it's say let's say i get someone don't contributes a dollar to podcast junkies i can allocate like if i want to and say the person who did my music gets two percent or five percent you know like every payment and just have that in allocation your producer can get a certain two percent like your editor can get a certain price the host can get paid and the ability to do that i don't know how to do that yet but just the concept of it and just being it feels very like ham radio like super super like bleeding edge type stuff so every time i get a chance I if you get in early right that's perfect and fyi in case you didn't know adam curry lives in austin yeah i did know that yeah yeah he's been on the joe rogan show right and yeah. they were talking about austin. so you know Maybe good intentions always happen on this show. So when I've had people like say stuff out loud on this show that's actually come true. <laughs> I'm going to have Adam Curry at the Allier Podcast Festival in September, Austin, 2021. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. And then I'm going to give all the credit to you, of course, you know, you and your magic. Oh man, time flies. That's crazy. It's been an hour already. I feel like I've always wanted to test new things and I'm wondering your thoughts here, but at some point you have to be like, this is nice. And we're able to have this hour long conversation, but then like, the crazy part of me is like thinking like podcast junkies after dark. And like, if you want to hear ever and I really geek out on stuff, like pay for that. And it gets an extra like hour conversation. We're just BSing. So, yeah, absolutely. but then it feels like more work and I'm just like, ah, do it. But if it works, it can be a hit, right? I mean, if it's something that you like and it's something unique, even better. Why well, you have some ideas? Well, yeah, I mean, just that was one of them. The other was when clubhouse was kind of like blowing up. I was like, well, I could do podcast junkies after dark on clubhouse and just invite people there and then building an audience so yeah i mean if you ever want to experiment we could try that i i mean everyone's bailing on clubhouse already so it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah it's funny because i was invited to come and speak at a couple of different uh panels and stuff and i was like hey this is kind of cool and then i'm like all right i'm gonna invest time and in, in effort into like building building outlier there on clubhouse and i was like but i've been burned before where i in logistics where i build my brand on somebody else's platform and they change anything or they tweak it or they die, everything goes away. And so I held back and I didn't. So smart. I'm kind of glad I didn't. Yeah. I want to control whatever I'm going to invest my time and effort and money into. And so, yeah, I mean, it's too bad that clubhouse is not, you know, I mean, it's still strong and it's still doing great. Well, it's still strong. Yeah. I don't, I, it's either going to die out or somebody big is going to come and buy it out and it's going to change everything. And those that have, kind of put a lot of time and effort into it. It's just going to be in a six months. It's going to be completely different. I bet. I actually was invited to the fireside creators group. A friend, past friend of the show, Rich Jones has been like, you know, doing regular, regular feeds there. And that's the one with Mark Cuban. But I just, they've asked me like, kind of like create something specific for the platform, but I've jumped in. There's been like 20 or 30 people on it. It's just really, really tiny. So if like people are flocking from clubhouse, I can't even imagine how another one's going to even get traction. So, and to your point, this idea of renting, you know, never want to build a house on rented land, you know, just, I really think of that as well all the time. So I think that was, that was a good move on your part. It's scary, right? I mean, yeah. whether it's money or time or whatever it is, yeah, you don't want to do that at all. And so, yeah, if I don't control it, then I'm like, eh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm usually hesitant. It has to be something pretty special in order for me to kind of jump in. 
Maybe on the uh, after dark, it'll be the part where you and I brainstorm about some marketing ideas because that's exactly what we're going to talk about when I hit stop. So. <laughs> yeah, good, good. That's funny because I bet we can come up with some cool stuff. Oh yeah, and and that's the whole idea. Like you want to work with people you enjoy working with. You know, that's been a mantra I've been more conscious of lately. So for now, let's put a pin in this. Where's the best place for folks to learn more about Outlier, get signed up, and see you in person yeah yeah outlierhq.com outlierhq.com right you can there you can follow us on social media all of our social media handles are outlierhq so there you can see our podcast everybody that we've had on the show plus our events uh, again the next one august in september or uh, september here in austin tickets are going to be available now so come and see us thanks ever appreciate your friendship and appreciate you sharing your story really really interesting stuff been a lot of fun appreciate it we'll talk to you later Thanks again to Ever for coming on the show, for being a great friend, and for being a consummate host when we were in Austin. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com. Intro and outro music, composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out his fine catalog of music at cedarsoil.com. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gears, specifically the Scarlett 2i2 Pro. And you can find more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite. Podcast production and marketing provided by fullcast sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15 to learn how a podcast can be helpful for your business tune in next week i have a conversation with lauren popish she's the founder of the wave podcasting if you've made it this far you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag we can go with outlier ever and tag him at underscore ever gonzalez and podcast underscore junkies Thanks for all you do to support the show. Really appreciate you. Talk next week.